Good day wherever you're listening from and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio. It's Friday, October 16th. 2015. Wow. And this week is episode 387. My name is Radio Joe Hughes here with me in the studio. Studio D, that is, in Central City, Pennsylvania, is our engineer, John. You gotta have faith. Joining me from back at Studio C in McKee's Rocks is the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Hello, Joe. Hello, everybody. Good day, Cliff. Our guest this week is Brian Page. We're going to talk a little bit about livable remodeling, and we'll talk a little bit more about Brian's background and what livable remodeling is in a moment. Of course, we can't do the show without our sponsors, so we'd like to start by thanking our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, or restoration and abatement contractor shop. Visit them at johndon.com. Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfactswithanx.com. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you acquire about their products services okay most listeners know you can download or stream shows now from our iaqradio.com website or of course you can subscribe to our podcast at itunes just go to their podcast area and put in iaq radio last but not least please visit the iaq training institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust that iaqtraining.com. All right, let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thanks, Joe. Hello, everybody. Win a cool prize by out-competing fellow IAQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ Radio trivia question each week. Submitting your, e- your, submitting your answer is easy. Either email it to zlotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, you can text in the answer via your computer. Congratulations. <laughs> To John Lapoterre, Indoor Air Quality Solutions, Orlando, Florida, for the first correct answer to last week's IAQ Radio Trivia Question. The IAQ Radio Trivia Question for Friday, October 16, 2015, has been sponsored by Triska, the Restoration and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your local industry training, certification, standards, and events. Their website is trsca.org. Now for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. In what biblical passage does the word dust first appear? Back to you, Joe. Hmm. Interesting one, Cliff. Okay. Hey, let's, oh, by the way, Triska now has a South Florida chapter. I want to shout out to to the South Florida gang there. We'll see you all in February. They've got a little conference going on, and we'll be, uh, I believe I'll be attending, so we'll, we'll give you more details on that as it gets closer. Today's guest is Brian Page. He's the business development manager for Build Clean Dust Control Systems, which is a division of what they call ITW, or Illinois Tool Works. He's got extensive experience in home remodeling through working alongside his grandfather, who was a carpenter in Chicago, and also through his work at ITW, which is a Fortune 200 company, and other businesses. He's kind of the the startup guy, as I understand it. He's um, been helping start up new divisions, new companies over the years. And as the at ITW, he leads the team that developed this new Build Clean Dust Control System. This is an invention that um, they're saying has transformed the way contractors manage remodeling dust in residential projects. 
Brian has worked directly with contractors and homeowners across the country for several years now, learning what is important to both audiences. He has an MBA in finance from the University of Chicago and has been very active in the remodeling industry and its many associations. I believe we have some music for Brian. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> another one bites the dust. And another one gone. And another one gone. Another one bites the dust. Hey, hey, gonna get you too. Another one bites the dust. Okay, Brian, do we have you on the line? <laughs> love it. Thank you so much, guys. I love the music. You're welcome, welcome okay, to IAQ cool. Radio. Great to have you. Hey, um. Now, I want to start with a little on ITW. We talked a little before the show. I didn't realize, I, I did kind of know by looking at your bio, they're a Fortune 200 company, so they're big dog, and their primary business apparently was anchoring products. How did the company become interested in dust control? Yeah, it's um, when we went into the marketplace and we were looking for a new product, um, you know, the first thing a company likes to do is they go back and they say, what can we make? And our CEO at the time kind of directed us and said, instead of going down that path, find out where the pain point is in the marketplace. What, what does the market want versus what we want to make? And uh, what we did is we mop, mapped out the remodeling industry. And in doing it, we kind of asked ourselves, our customers, where is the pain in the process? What, what do you need help with? And what we learned on this journey was that um, – Contractor's number one complaint or concern is what's behind the wall. And their second concern was redoing somebody else's work. Um, they didn't want to do something that a contractor might have done before them and wasn't up to code or maybe code changed. And visualization was a big issue for them in project management. And then we came up upon this word livability. And um, it kind of dumbfounded us because we said, what does it mean and we learned that both the contractor and homeowner together looked at living through a remodeling project as the biggest inconvenience and the biggest nuisance of the project. And that kind of was our epiphany that said, we don't need a new anchor. We need to address that problem. And that's how we kind of went away from anchors and fasteners for this project. And we went to look at how can we make a job livable and how can we make it better for the contractor. Now, when you say number one was what's behind the wall, yes, sir. What, what was their concern about what's behind the wall? Is they're worried about something growing behind the wall or electrical or all the above? Yeah, a little bit of everything. I think the number one thing is you're going into a client's home and the client wants you to give them a definitive price. Your kitchen is going to cost X or your bathroom is going to cost Y. And for a professional remodeling contractor, it's hard to give a hard price if you don't know what's behind the wall. So when you pull off the drywall, when you remove the tile, is there gonna be water damage? Is there mold? Is it up to code? And these are things you really don't know until you get behind the wall. So it's hard to give that homeowner a hard number if you can't see it. <laughs> so you imagine if it's you know your wife or my wife and they think they're getting a $15,000 bathroom, and all of a sudden you realize there's $20,000 of water damage, everything changes. The calculus of the whole situation changes. You know, and the homeowner sometimes thinks they're being cheated. Well, why wouldn't you have known that before? But the contractor has no way of knowing it until they really have opened up that space and, and gotten all the information in the job to understand what the entire project entails. Well, you, I, I can't agree with you more. Um... My son has a small renovation company, and we, we run into that all the time. You open up a wall, you've got termites, you've got, uh, you know, and then even when you start to break through the wall, you can have lead paint, you can have, you know, there can be pipes behind there, there can be any. So I, I, I like uh, what you're saying there. Now, let me, let me ask this. When you started looking at this, um, how does the amount of dust compare between a house being remodeled and one that's undergoing construction. How did you evaluate that if you did? Well, I mean, I guess the difference is in, in those two scenarios is a house that's being remodeled has the demolition factor that, that's involved. A, a new construction, you don't have that. The other big difference is a house that's being remodeled typically has inhabitants in that house where new construction wouldn't. 
So we looked at it in terms of, okay, along the process of recreating a home, you have to do the destruction. So things like drywall and drywall sanding, that would occur in both jobs. But if we're in New England and we have to bring down that horsehair plaster, that's going to be something that occurs on that project that wouldn't happen in new construction, if I understood your question properly. And did you look at, you know, like, did you use particle counters? Did you just evaluate yeah. by the amount of dust? Yeah. How did you do that? So what we ended up doing is um, we, we learned a lot from the um, mold and abatement industry, to be very honest with you. And, and we went and said, well, how do they go about looking at this? So what we did is we went on a typical job site and said, how much dust is in the air? Um, but before we even did that, we just looked at your average home and said, how much dust is in the air? So, you know, for a relatively maintained home, in one cubic foot of air, you might be looking at 20,000 particles of dust in that one cubic foot. And I think that was my shock. <laughs> I was like, wow, who knew that? And the majority of that dust, the majority of those particles are unseen. When you go into a construction site, that can easily go to 500,000, 700,000, or a million particles per cubic foot, depending on what they're doing. So if you're just doing demolition of a wall, maybe you're at 500,000. If you're bringing down drywall, maybe you're at, you know, 700,000. But if they're cutting or grinding concrete, you have a mess on your hands. And so our deal was that's how we measured it. How much dust is in the air and then what happens to that particulate once it gets airborne? And how can we control it? Hey, Joe, I, I got an interesting story. Many years ago, this probably goes back to about uh, 1982, 1983. I bought this old building, and I, and I wanted to put a – it had a nice basement, and I wanted to put a drive-in uh, capability in the basement. So what I needed to do is have a piece of the cement, the port cement slab cut. And the contractor that did it did a wonderful job uh, cutting, the, uh, you know, cutting the concrete slab, but he did absolutely no dust protection whatsoever. And our office was a disaster. You know, we had dust in our typewriters. We had dust in the photocopier. We had dust in our product. We literally had this dust from top to bottom because this guy was concentrated and focused on, uh, you know, cutting the hole and, and probably doing it as quickly as possible. And he didn't even think about uh, dust. And what happened was uh, he ended up turning in an insurance claim over this. And I can tell you that the cleanup greatly exceeded uh, the, the cost of the service uh, you know, that he provided. So this is something that's, uh, that, that's happening well, you know, more as often I, than we would like. As I said in our, in our show announcement, Cliff, I, I think you and I looked at this and, and, and you know, we were contacted by Jesse with uh, with the Build Clean folks, and uh, we kind of looked at it like, well, you know, is this indoor air quality related or not? And then, of course, we realized quickly it is, and it's something over 380 shows we haven't really discussed in much detail. So I think it's an issue, um, one that hasn't been addressed nearly enough, and I think it's interesting that um, that Brian and his, and his group are doing that. Um when you when you did your research, Brian, what percentage of homeowners hated or, or complained about construction dust, and and where does the statistic that you know you're you're going to give us come from? Yeah, so we we commissioned a study with a company called MMR Associates, is a, a private research firm out of Ohio, and we talked to twelve hundred, approximately twelve hundred homeowners, and those two homeowners were really divided into two different things those who've done a remodeling project and those who hadn't. The folks who've done a remodeling project, they hands down were saying, we're worrying about how we're gonna live through it. The people who hadn't done a project before were thinking, well, what is this gonna look like? So when we adjusted for that, we said, well, how many of you are concerned about dust? And 81% of them said that it was the number one nuisance of the project. 
So Cliff was talking about, you know, the dust being in his copying machine. What we heard about was the dust inside the people, the dust inside the pets, the dust on the, you know, the, the china from uh, Christmas. And the best example I can give you, Joe, is that we were in a homeowner's house and she was complaining to the contractor about a second story remodel in a bathroom and how she had dust on her toothbrush. And, and the contractor kept saying, it's impossible. I have the barrier walls. I'm doing everything. And what it was is that consumer had ingested the dust into her mouth. So when she was brushing her teeth, the dust wasn't on her toothbrush. The dust was already in her mouth. And these are the types of things that we're trying to get across to homeowners to say, protection has to happen. Action has to happen if you don't want to pull out the china at Thanksgiving and find dust. You know, and, and that's, these are the types of stories that we can tell you over and over again that supports that you know, 81% because it's after the job is over, that contractor goes, God, I hate my, I'm sorry, the homeowner says, God, I hate my contractor because it's three months later and I'm still finding dust. You know, I, I think, well, let's, let's, let me ask one more question before I bring up Please. that comment. Or Cliff, go ahead. Um, have you done any quantification, Brian, in, in terms of what construction dust can cost uh, on a project? We have. We actually have a cost-benefit sheet that we've, we've created. And I guess before we get into it, I would say it, it changes by each region of the country depending on what the labor model is. But we look at terms of the basic things, in terms of for our system, you still need to have the barrier walls. You still need to put the barrier plastic up. So then the questions become, what's the cost of the additional labor per day? And, and let's say you say it's 30 minutes, but it's five days a week. At $25 an hour of labor, you're at $63 extra for that job for just the cost of cleanup. Let's say it's really bad. Now you have to bring a cleaning crew in at a cost of $300. If you say this happens 25% of the time, that's $75 that they're going to have to pay. Uh, what's the cost of an unsatisfied client? You know, you have a great reputation for being the best you know, carpenter, the best craftsman, the best tile person. But if you have that one person complaining, what is the cost of that? And we said, you know, if it's the probability of this is every 10, one out of every 10 jobs, that still could cost them $500. So for us, the cost of not managing dust is about $1,000 per job. And, and, and for a small contractor, that's a lot against the small amount of margin they might be making right now. Sorry, my mic was Thank off. You. I would also say that um, even when they do have their guys or non-specialty cleaning companies clean it, they probably aren't doing a very thorough job, especially when my own guys do it. That's that's tough to get them to do. So I think mm -hmm. you also need to take into consideration how clean they actually get it when they're done. Um, so... Let's let's move on and, and talk a little bit. I think we have an audience of indoor air quality, disaster restoration, and, and building science professionals that I don't think we need to convince that during remodeling, we need to be more careful about dust control and that it's a problem and that, you know, it's a quantifiable problem. It's good that somebody's done that. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, how you how you handle that problem and i, I want to first start with the concept of livable remodeling what do you mean by livable remodeling you know I, I guess the general overlying idea here is that the remodeling process doesn't have to be painful you know in the past setting expectations probably was how people went about it um, i can tell you a story about a contractor out of texas who would fill a, a ball jar full of water and then you put cellophane over it and put it, the lid on and put it in the refrigerator and tell the homeowner, dust is going to get into that water no matter what I do. Well, it's clever, and it sets an expectation that the dust is going to be bad, but that's not the solution. So the key of livable remodeling is what can we do to reduce the frustrations of the project? How can we communicate properly? How can we set expectations? And maybe what new actions can be taken that it doesn't have to be as painful. So, you know, for us, it's not about the air scrubber. 
it's about five things that need to be done, starting with just the timeline. You know, when are things going to be done? You know, talk about temporary living. Where are they going to have their kitchen or where are they going to do their bathing if they're redoing a kitchen or a bath? You know, what's the schedule? Um, how is the schedule going to work against their kids? I have three young children. So if a contractor is showing up at my house at 7 o'clock in the morning, that's going to be very disruptive if we're trying to get kids on a school bus. You know, logistics. Is there going to be a temporary potty? Is there going to be a, um, a dumpster in the front yard? I mean, there's these, these things to talk about. And then lastly, we talk about dust control. Are there going to be barrier walls? Are they going to use some type of an air scrubber to minimize the dust? So when we talk about livable remodeling, it's just a concept that helps the remodeler have the perspective of how is this going to affect the life of the people they're doing the work for and what can be reasonably done to make it a better project for that homeowner. Cliff, let me, let me turn it over to you. How does this build clean machine and your entire process differ from what is usually done for dust control? So, so the typical practice is to put a, a barrier plastic, you know, put up a barrier wall. And, and that concept and that work is very effective. Um, the second thing that's done a lot of times now is a lot of tool manufacturers have manufactured shrouds to go with their, you know, with their product. So if you're, you know, sanding drywall, you might be able to have a shroud on that to capture it. If you're cutting with a saw, a chop saw, you might be able to cut that dust. But you really can't put a vacuum on a, a crowbar. You can't put a vacuum on a, on a sledgehammer. So what we're trying to do is, if we can't capture the dust at point of generation, what can we do to minimize the migration of that dust? And, and you both have probably been on job sites where you go in and out of the barrier plastic, and as that air flows in and out of that workspace, so does the dust. So how we differ is we try to minimize that dust and capture it in that site. And we try to capture it while it's airborne, so it minimizes the migration into the home. And it also provides a much healthier environment in that workspace. So the workers aren't inhaling those contaminants as they're working. So it's really the big difference of what we provide. Uh, I mean, all of our listeners most are familiar with negative pressure containment, with air scrubbers, with, I mean, we just came from a conference where we did research on four different rooms, one control room in a hotel, one with just negative pressure containment, one with just air scrubbing, and one with both. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we looked at different parameters before and after setting up these containments. You know, particle counts were one of the big things we were looking at. Mm -hmm. How, you know, have you done that type of thing? And, and when you did, what, what did you see as the pros and cons of those different types of setups if, if you saw them? We, we have done those setups and, and, you know, where I do sell a specific machine, the use of any air scrubber, the use of any system that they can use to capture the dust while it's airborne will make a big difference. Um, so for us in our test results, we actually show that we can collect 90% of the airborne dust and that's specific to my product. Other products also dramatically reduce the airborne dust. I can't tell you what the percentages are, but the key is if you could create that slight vacuum in the room, if you could create that negative pressure, when guys are going in and out of the work area, it's not going to migrate through that space. And so that's really the, the, the big difference. Let's get it while it's airborne. Let's prevent it from migrating. And let's make it livable for both the remodeling contractor who's working in that space and the homeowner who's living in that building. And, how does that um let me see how i word this brian um so you've got a piece of equipment that and i think a lot of people will look on the website what's the let's give the website real quick build clean is it yes sir it's buildclean.com so or it could be under livableremodeling.com they could be accessed at either either way when i looked at it essentially what i saw was an air filtration device but it had a different configuration in that it, it collected dust from, I don't know, 35% or 75% around the unit. It wasn't just on one side of the unit versus, 
you know, um, the, your typical air scrubber that you'll see out there will just have one inlet, one outlet, and they're on the opposite side from each other. Then I did notice right. that you have a an exhaust that can be vented to the outdoors. Is that what you typically tell contractors to do? Yeah, so w what we did is, first thing we looked at is, when you look at the available air scrubbers that were in the marketplace, as I said, they do a very nice job. But the two issues we ran into was, there's not 360 degree intake. So if someone's doing demolition in one part of a project and someone might be sanding in another part, you're not getting all that dust. So the first thing we did is we put a 360 degree intake. Um, so we don't have to be, you know, the air scrubber doesn't have to be at a certain place in the job. The second thing we really did that's different is when we looked at our air scrubber and we looked at air scrubbers in general, we said, why don't contractors use them? And one of the big reasons was is because as the filters load, the performance of the air scrubbers go down. And so when they're not as effective, well, heck, it's easier just to turn off the air scrubber and turn the radio back on. So what we did is we created a system where as the filters load, we increased the speed of the fan. So if you want 600 CFM through the whole job, even with a fully loaded filter, you have 600 CFM. And that's the difference between ours and other machines is that we did this specifically for the remodeling contractor. It's not an abatement unit. It's not a remediation product. It's a m m product designed specifically for the professional remodeling contractor. So we're not trying to be in that space. We're trying to provide a unique product that meets our unique needs. You know, that is one of the complaints from some in the industry about traditional air scrubbers, air filtration devices, they call them, and then it's either operated in the scrubbing mode or the negative air machine mode, is the right. capture zone uh, of the equipment. Have you measured the capture zone on, on your equipment versus other equipment? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're looking at a, a 20 by 30 by 10 foot high space, it's going to give you the traditional six air exchanges in one hour. So that's what we typically say for the, the, the size of the space, 20 by 30 by 10. And, and to your earlier question, it could be run in either negative pressure mode or recirculation. Because let's say you have a small bathroom and you might not have a window you can vent it out of. So what they have to be able to do is run it in either mode. Cliff, let me turn it over to you. Well, I guess I have uh, one follow-up and then probably a new question. Okay. You know, one of the things, Brian, that you said is that you know, this machine was designed you know, primarily for remodeling. I mean, there's no reason it couldn't be used for abatement or remediation, is there? No, n none at all. Um, you know, when, when we were looking at designing the product, we looked at a very defined niche. It could absolutely be used there. But typically, I think in those situations for remediation and, and abatement, they're using whole systems. So they have the, def, you know, the dehumidifier, they have the air movers, and they have the air scrubbers. So we kind of looked at that in terms of separate sets of needs and spaces, but they could use us in conjunction with all those products. Okay, good. I guess my, my real question is, would, wouldn't your product work better in an area that was contained, you know, where we had up barrier walls and, and so on and so forth? I mean, would you agree with that or, or do you disagree? No, I absolutely agree with you. And it's a compliment. It's to be worked in conjunction with the barrier plastic, in conjunction with the other things that they're doing. Um, it's not a standalone solution by any means. Good. Thanks. Yeah. Joe? Um, tell us a little bit about the specifics of the filter and the pre-filter system. What, what, we have a HEPA filter in there, high-efficiency particulate air, I'm assuming. Um, I did yep. look at the literature. And, and then what about the pre-filter? So it's a typical two-stage uh, filtration system, like I'm sure many of your listeners would think about. Um, the pre-filter is designed to capture your coarse particle, um, and that's going to be good for you down to about 10 microns. And then the HEPA filter is a certified HEPA filter. So it's 99.7% efficient down to 0 0.3, I'm sorry, yeah, 0 0.3 microns. Um, 
So the idea is that, you know, uh, with that pre-filter, we can capture that coarse particulate. And then as that filter loads, it creates what we call a dust cake. And you guys have probably seen it on the equipment before. And then you can remove that filter and shake it off in in the dumpster or in a plastic bag and reuse the pre-filter again. So the idea is we want to make it easy and we want to make it where the contractor wants to use the system so they can reuse that pre-filter use that pre-filter for about 30 days. Um, of course, you wouldn't want to take you know, a pre-filter from job A to job B because of the risks of taking contaminant, but one filter per job is what we're looking on the pre-filter. On the HEPA filter, it's designed to last 5,000 hours, but that's always kind of dependent about how well guys clean that pre-filter. So we kind of say two to 5,000 hours depending on how they clean that HEPA, I'm sorry, the pre-filter, and then you dispose of the HEPA filter. Okay, hey, we've got to take a little break and thank our sponsors. Um, this is Radio Joe Hughes, and our guest this week is Brian Page. We're, we're talking a little bit about just construction remodeling and general construction remodeling. Brian's with Build Clean Dust Control Systems. We'll return with the second half of our interview after we stop for about a minute and 30 seconds to thank our sponsors. The Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit, multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions. We use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Check them out at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors, John Don Products, or restoration and abatement contractor shop. Visit them at johndon.com. Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfactswithanx.com. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you acquire about their products services okay we're back with the second half of our interview we've got brian page uh brian is with the build clean systems folks he's folks excuse me he's the business development manager for build clean dust control systems he's also got a uh, background in startups which you know this is a, a little division for build clean here uh, we had talked a little bit about filter life before the break and uh brian another question on filters would be you know uh, in the um in the disaster restoration and abatement industry, HEPA filter devices and filters are, are typically certified. Has your firm sought or obtained any certification for the filters and or the device? Yeah, so um, for the filters, the certification, the certification we did is on the initial designs of the pre-filter and the HEPA filter, um, we certified them both to meet certain standards. So we do have a certified HEPA, HEPA filter. Um, the certification was done with us with Columbus Filter, and what we did is we certified it based on first the amount of material needed for um, the, the CFM of the machine, and then they also certified it for how much particulate gets picked up. Um, we do certify each filter through the um, each production run, but it's not a true batch certification because once we go through and we say, okay, you know, here's how the filter is certified, we're not doing it for each of the line changes, we're just doing it for that, you know, that one production run. Um, but we're not doing outside certification because it's really not needed uh, like you would in the abatement industry. Our need is to have a certain level of particulate um, collection. So that's why we do it to make sure it's meeting our spec, not because it's meeting any type of an industry standard, you know, or insurance standard. You know, earlier in the interview, we, we talked about the fact that, you know, you, you, your claim is that the device removes 90% of the dust on a job, and obviously that's that's great. But when we're talking about the other 10%, it, 
what do you recommend? Do you have um, guidelines or some kind of recommendations for your contractors on how to deal with the, the remaining 10%, which can be quite a bit? Yeah, I think what we just try to do is give them best practices on how to control dust. Um, you know, certain very, very simple acts like they should be cutting maybe in a garage and not in the living space. They should be vacuuming, not sweeping. Um, those are the types of, of recommendations we use for the remaining 10%. You know, in, in, when we test the systems, it's typically in a closed chamber, and then that dust hits the floor. So if that's the case, then that frequent cleaning is needed to make sure it's vacuumed off the floor. Um, Walk-off mats are required. I'm so sorry, because if it's on your feet, then let's get it off the shoes before they go into the home space. Um, so it's more of general best practices that can follow. Um, but each job is so different. You know, uh, to be very blunt and honest, it's just getting them to turn on the system every day is a huge start. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just getting them to, to do the best practices is a huge start. So um, where I'd love to tell you we're very specific on what they should be doing, um, it, it's more of here's the best practices that you should be doing in every job every day. And then if we get them, get them just to go at that high level, then we can get them to focus a little bit more in terms of how they're doing the actions. You know, Brian, when I, I do, uh, like I said, my son does remodeling, and, and the, the time I find we have the most problem with filter loading is during sanding after, you know, finishing drywall or uh, plaster, etc. <clears throat> and I'm wondering if you have any recommendations for your renovation contractors with respect to how to, I mean, I've seen filters clog in, in less than 2000 hours. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um, yeah. What kind of recommendations do you give for those types of activities? So for us, we see the most um, dust in the demolition of those services, um, uh, surfaces more than we do in the finishing. So on the finishing of it, I, I guess first and foremost, it would be, you know, apply it in small amounts, um, you know, apply it according to the manufacturing um, specifications. So, you know, a really great drywall contractor is able to put the mud on in a very thin manner, so you're not going to get a tremendous amount that way. Um, but what do you do when you have horsehair plaster? What do you do when you have situations where you're doing the demolition? That's the big dust for us. Um, for, back to your question about dry, drywall sanding, there are a number of great tool systems and shroud systems out that as they sand the wall, they could be vacuumed at the point of generation. So when and customers ask me for, for systems, we usually direct them toward those tools and say, you know, here are some other tool manufacturers who have excellent sanding systems and shrouds. And um, those work wonderfully. Who do you recommend? I mean, we don't care. Put the names out there. That's, you know, that's why we're here. I think one of the best companies out there is Festool. Um, they, they have an amazing... Um, uh, amazing system that they have out there for all their tools. So it's a um, an, an air system that could be tied into any of their, their equipment from their um, wall sanding to their chop saws to any of their equipment. Um, w when you look at, you know, the Stanley Group, th they have a number of good products out there, DeWalt. Um, so w when you go into any of your, your home centers, you can find those air extractors. Um, even, you know, Don John, your partner, you, you go on the line and you look at them. They have a number of dust extractors and shroud systems that could be used in these type of applications. What was the name of the first company again? Festool. Yes, oh, sir. Got it. Got it. Okay. Cliff, let's turn it over to you. Thanks, Joe. Uh, I want to talk about the fan and the, you know, the ability to, you know, it's kind of like cruise control, I guess, would be <laughs> the best way to, to, to describe it. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, I don't want to you know, kind of go bad on my own product, but one of the very first things an engineer said to me when I brought them their, our system is they're like, you just want to put a fan in a box. You know, this is really hard. And they were being dramatically sarcastic to me. So the question is, how can we differentiate this fan from the box? So what we did is we looked at what types of fans are going to give us the most um, movement of air. So we use a seven-blade uh, impeller 
it's um, a centrifugal fan, and it's manufactured by us by EBM PAPS. So what we're able to do is um, move a tremendous amount of air um, in a very efficient way at a low noise level um, and, and with a motor that meets UL and explosion, you know, it's explosive proof as well. So for us, when we were looking at, at the motor itself, uh, we wanted to make sure we had the best of the best. We have, you know, the best engine in there we can. Then what we did is we put a number of pressure sensors through the machine so we could provide you that um, you know, auto driving or um, uh, the driving we've talked about. Cruise so control. We, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> so, so what we did is the first thing is we put a dust sensor on the front of the machine, and it works very similar to what you would find in a um, um, fire um, fire detector. Oh, smoke detector. So when, okay. Smoke detector. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I'm hopped up on decongestants this morning. No problem. <laughs> so when we see 15 seconds of dust the machine knows it should be running. So we call that our auto mode. So we do have a fan in a box, but we have a very smart box. So when it sees dust, it knows to turn itself on. And the same pressure sensors that we just spoke about also determine the airflow across the filters. And then it can determine how efficient the machine is working. So what we did is we set up these air sensors to say, this is the, the airspeed, this is the pressure flow that you should be seeing. And by measuring that delta, you know, the pressure delta, we're able to tell the machine speed up, slow down, et cetera. So that's kind of how we've done that. So having that great motor inside of it allows us to manipulate the speed of the motor using, you know, uh, um, our electronics and some very sophisticated code. How, let me ask, how, how has the machine been received by the the renovation industry are are you selling a lot of these units um, what's your marketing program how are you how are you getting the information out to these folks yeah thank you very much for asking that you know to start we really limited where we sold the units and it was um, chicago and boston because we wanted to make sure that we had the right product in the marketplace um so what we were doing is just marketing it directly to professional, high-end professional remodeling firms to say we can provide you a, a cleaner environment. Um, and then as we've learned uh, how to sell these guys, how to service them, how to take care of the customers, we've been methodically expanding who we've been selling. So we started selling the product approximately a year ago. And right now we have about a thousand uh, professional remodeling contractors across the country who are using the system. Um, beginning next year, we're really going to open it up and put the website out there and let people purchase it um, online. But to start, it was very, very important to us to make sure that we were dramatically reducing dust, that we were providing the right amount of service to our contractors so they understood how to use it. Um, as professionals, you probably can both appreciate if you give someone some abatement product, if they haven't been trained on how to use it, there's a high probability they're not going to use it properly. So that's why we were slow and methodical to make sure that the training was there and to make sure we understood all the applications that it was going to be used. So that way, when it was used, it performed as we promised. You know, in I, terms um, of the training, in, in terms of the training, um, is this the booklets and videos that come with the machine, or do you have some sort of training program for the, the contractors? We, we do both. Um, primarily, you can do it virtually with a two-minute video that we have on how to use this system. It very much is a plug-and-play. Um, the the hands-on training that we do is more of product knowledge for an entire, let's say, remodeling firm. So the designers... The, everyone involved in the remodeling process then is aware of what we're doing and why we're doing it. The key here is, like we talked about before, that 10% that we don't catch can be still a lot of material. And we want to make sure that the homeowner and everyone in a remodeling firm understands this isn't the end all. It's one of many things that are done to collect it. So when we do our training, it's more along those lines. Of here's the expectation of the homeowner. Here's what we can do to help meet that expectation, and then also under you know explain where the shortcomings of it are because we don't want someone to say, well, wait a minute, I've got dust here, I expected zero. It's not zero. Um, so that's the type of training that we provide so everyone understands how it works, 
how it should work and what it should do for them for the job. Brian, go ahead, go. Cliff. Yes, okay. Brian, I have a question. Um, I noticed the listener has has gotten on uh, gotten on the chat room there, and they um, they they represent large facility owners. Okay. And um, I think that's a market. I don't know if you've thought about that, but large uh, facility owners like school districts and universities and uh, hospitals, etc., where I think a product like this might be of great interest to them. Um, the follow-up question I have to that is this. When I've dealt with and worked with those folks in the past, their their um, employees are, you know, they're all over the board just like anywhere else. Some of them are, are very conscientious about putting up barriers and others aren't. Have you done any evaluation of how well the system works when there are not barriers in place? We, we really have not. Um, you, you know, we... We frown upon that. Um, it's not the right thing to do by taking down the barrier. It can be used in that manner, but then in essence what you're doing is you're using the air scrubber as a vacuum, and we really want to discourage upon that. Um, if you need a vacuum, use a vacuum. So I really can't properly answer your question because we haven't done the studies in that way because it's just not the right way to use the system. So well, I'm not trying to answer. avoid the question. <laughs> it's just not the right thing to do. I know. I love the answer. I think that's great. You know, do it right. And um, don't count on this. This machine is not a silver bullet. It's, it's Yeah, and then to the, your, 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 your person who had asked the questions about the institutional use, um, for our system – if you're in an institution and you're doing a small project where you want a one-man air scrubber to come in and help them as they're maybe repairing some small ceiling tiles or things like that, you know, we're a great system. Um, if you're doing big floors or large hospital wings, th there are better products in the marketplace than mine. Um, I have great respect for Phoenix. Um, air America is another one. Dry-Ease. They have some outstanding systems that could be used in that manner better than ours. And to me, you know, I'll get my share of the market. But if you're doing those bigger institutional jobs, I'd recommend your listener to go find the systems that specialize there because I think they're going to be better suited to help and they could help them meet their lead credits and do everything else and tie it into the HVAC systems. And I think their overall experience would be better with a firm that really services that market well. Understood, I, but I think these guys also do a lot of small projects. Think about a dorm room or a uh, classroom or a, a hallway, you know, where they're just doing, you know, they, they send guys out. Oftentimes, in fact, they don't want to do the big jobs. They they bring in general contractors for that. But that's that's getting off the topic a little bit. We, we would be outstanding for it. My wife and kids would appreciate them using the build clean system. <laughs> but my motivation, you know, I grew up, like I said, the grandson of a carpenter. I want to get the right tool in the right in the right hands. Well, and that's an important. I mean, that's an important market. It's a huge underserved area. I think uh, that's why Cliff and I again brought you on. We we don't typically bring on. You know, companies that have a product to sell, we will, but um, we saw a niche, and, and I yeah. like what you're doing, and, and, and I think it, it makes for a good show. Um, Thank you. Now, the big question, what's one of these units cost? It's basically a 600 CFM air filtration device that works as a scrubber. It's got a 360-degree um, intake, and it's got a... a, a very nice motor that will ramp up as the filters are clogged, etc. What kind of ball, what kind of number are we looking at? It's nine hundred and eighty dollars okay. for the air scrubber. That includes the pre-filter and it does include a HEPA. And then the replacement filters cost twenty-three dollars for the pre-filter. So when you look at, you know, one pre-filter is gonna last you for a full job or thirty days, it's comparable to a paper filter. And the HEPA filter, which should last you 5,000 5, hours, is $150. So if they were to buy the whole system with some filters, um, a vent hose, and the air scrubber, they're looking at approximately $1,100 to get into the system. Okay. And Cliff, do you have anything? I, I do, Joe. I think it's an important question. And um, Brian, can you talk a little bit about the EPA RRP rules? Yeah, you know, what's re what's required, and so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I am to help 
qualify this. I am RRP certified. Um, the, the big thing from EPA RRP is really containment and control of dust. And the way the rule is written right now, um, they really look at it in terms of uh, establishing barriers, uh, limiting access, um, you know, covering um, uh, belongings, uh, limiting uh, air going into air intakes and exposures. And they do recommend things like uh, use of a HEPA vacuum. So for EPA RRP, we are um, a complementary system, but we do not replace any of the current requirements in EPA RRP. Uh, we have presented our system, um, but to add us to their rules or add any air scrubber to the rules would really be opening things back up. And I don't think that EPA wants to do that right now. Probably not. Yeah, so when you look at it in terms of the goal is containment and control, um, our system does a very good job of mechanically controlling the spread of the dust. But it is not um, specific to the EPA RRP because we had not launched when they had launched the law. The, the law. And, and let me clarify for any listeners that may not be familiar with that acronym, the acronym POLICER at the donut shop here is the Lead Renovation Repair Painting Rule, and it's for lead paint. And that's another oftentimes ignored issue when it comes to renovations. Um, so I, I do think it would, I agree, I liked your answer. It's a good supplement to the things that are required, but it's not required by the RRP rule. And, um, yeah. you know, one of the final things I wanted to ask about, Brian, is, you know, how do you recommend that contractors recoup the, um, you know, $1,000, give or take, that it's going to cost for this machine? How do you suggest they charge for this? We, we can get into that, but I, if I can get on my soapbox for just a second. Yes. The question is, what is the right thing to do? And, and, and you take away the cost from it, but what is the right thing to do? And the right thing to do is to contain the dust, to capture the dust, to control it. So we do talk about putting in $150 as a contract add-in to help recoup the cost. Um, and we do talk about what's the value of a satisfied client and what's the value of a referral to your firm. But in terms of a hard dollar amount, our research shows that the homeowner would allow the contractor to add up to $250 to their bid to collect the dust. So they could do that to recapture the cost just that way. But when you look at it in terms of what's the right thing to do, I don't think you can put a price on that. Um, I grew up the grandson of a carpenter. I mean, that's what they were called before they were modelers. And I'd get in his truck, and you'd sit on the seat, and you'd watch the plume of dust. Or when I'd hug him and give him a kiss hello, you could taste the dust on him. He paid a price of being in that dust every day. And back then, there was a machismo that was a, you know, I can breathe this in, and I'm okay. But we've learned over the years, you shouldn't be breathing in asbestos. You shouldn't be breathing in lead. You shouldn't be breathing in those things. And so that's really where, you know, I get passionate about this to say, don't breathe it. What's the right thing to do? When you go into a home because a woman is pregnant and having, you know, adding a nursery because they're having a child, protect them. It's the right thing to do. If someone's doing age in place remodeling, protect that homeowner. It's the right thing to do. If I'm paying a contractor to do work, I want them to be breathing good air. It's the right thing to do. And if you'll forgive me on my soapbox, it's hard to put a price on that. What is the cost of that? Because I can tell you what the cost of not taking care of that is. But, but when you're looking at a couple hundred dollars per job, I, I think it's relatively nothing uh, to do the right thing. Okay. I, 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 can, uh, I can dig that. Now, what other, first of all, this research you've done, the, the, the market research, it sounds very interesting um, to, to people like myself. Do you make that available to people anywhere? Is that something that, that people yeah, could take we, a look at? Yeah, we absolutely can provide a lot of this research, and, and we do have an independent uh, industrial hygienist that works with us. Um, we absolutely can, can make it available. So if someone wants to go to our website and, and make an inquiry for it, we would share it. Or if you guys would like to share, see it, we absolutely would. The, the, the fearful thing with data 
is it can really be spun <laughs> a number of different ways. If you don't know the question that's asked before or after, you know, it's easy to take out a piece that you just want to see. So on a limited basis, we do make it available to people. And it was all done, like I said, through uh, two outside firms, um, an independent industrial hygienist, as well as an outside research firm. Very good. I appreciate that. Um, one final question I had, and then we always like to give our guests the last, you know, the last opportunity to add anything we may have missed or just to get out uh, something that they're, they're really passionate about. And I also want to give Cliff another shot. But before I do, what other, um, you know, you did this research, you got this one product. What else is in the pipeline? Can you tell us, is there anything else that you're looking at? Or is this, you know, you're, you're pretty comfortable that this is the, the product you want and, the, and that you're going to go along with this and nothing else? So from, from, my, from my specific business uh, within ITW, um, we're going to do variations of this whole idea of homeowner livability and provide products um, that are going to dramatically help reduce job site dust and provide a better environment. So we do have a stair step of products within Build Clean that we're looking at. Um, so, you know, our unit has been, you know, some people have said it's a little too large. So we're looking at smaller applications. We're also looking at larger ones. Uh, we're looking at other ways we can use our patented technology for other products. And then within ITW construction, those six pain points that we really talked about, we're developing other products around that. You know, what can we do to help a contractor see behind a wall? What can we do to help them with their scheduling? Uh, what can we do to help them become more efficient on a job? So there's a series of products along that line too. I'm glad I asked. Cliff, any final questions you'd like to ask? Uh, no, no, I'm good. All right. Well, what I'd like to do, Brian, at this point is just, you know, give you the last word. Um, anything we missed, anything you'd like to add? Um, certainly, if you want to put out the, the website again, we'll be happy to do that. Yeah, I think it goes back to maybe my little soapbox rant. And it's just to encourage anyone in, in the construction industry to, to do the right thing. Um, it, it's not really about an air scrubber. It's about this concept of livable remodeling and, and making it um, where a homeowner can live through it. Um, when we first started with this system, we were on a job site, and a woman had just had a baby, a few days old, and we walked into the house, and they were talking about their child had cradle cough. And I have three young children, and you could visibly see the dust in the air. And we went out and got six air scrubbers out of the trucks, and we put them in this house immediately to reduce the amount of dust in the air. And we pulled all that particulate out, and lo and behold, a couple of days later, the baby's getting better. And that's the type of situation where I knew this was right. This is the right thing to do. And so for anyone who's involved with this, encourage anyone you know in the construction industry to look at it for their health and their client's health. And it's not about an air scrubber. It's about all the things they can do to make it a level or remodeling experience. So if they'd like to learn about it, they could go to levelremodeling.com. They can go to buildclean.com. Um, they can go to EPA and a number of different sources. But I would just, you know, implore your, 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 your listeners and, and, and your people that says, if you have an opportunity to reduce the dust on a job site, don't accept it as a given anymore. Take the action because the benefits are there. They're huge. Oh, Joe, one other thing. I do have one final question. Please. Why? Yeah. Have you thought about the rental industry for this? We have, um, and, and the big issue, Cliff, when we do that is it's getting the rental companies to clean the machines back up and get them back out. So that's really where we've kind of been having a catch-22. We've tested it in a couple of markets, and it's been good. Demand hasn't been so great that it's blown things away, um, and, and abatement machines are available. So nationally, I, I think Sunbelt Rental um, has an air scrubber that's available. So we'll eventually get into that space. But right now, we really haven't been able to, to, to perform, you know, to, to perfect our model. So because of it, we're not pursuing it as aggressively as we are, just getting the information in the marketplace that says there's a solution to dramatically reduce dust. Well, no, the only reason I mentioned it is Ken Rothwell. is a good friend of mine, and you know, he's a... Uh, the, the, their primary guy for the restoration industry. It would seem to me that this would be uh, an ideal uh, product for them. And uh, 
Yeah, just I just thought I'd ask. Thank you. No, no, and, and believe me, I'm taking notes as we speak. You know, it's we're learning to do one thing well at a time, and 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 we're a little methodical about this because when you're developing a new brand, if I make a mistake, boy, would that be a big mistake. And so that's where we've been very methodical to make sure that the system's going to perform exactly the way we said it would, and that we could understand any issues that someone would come into. But we very much appreciate that idea. All right. Well, this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks so much to this week's guest, Brian Page. He's the business development manager at Build Clean Dust Control Systems. Interesting program, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Guys, thank you. And go Cubs if you don't mind that little pitch. Uh, that's all right. They that's beat our right. Pirates, but uh, we'd rather see them go on than, you know, somebody that didn't beat us. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. They've got a hell of a pitcher there. Uh, anyway, gentlemen, thanks so much. Also, Cliff, as always, thanks. Great show. Next week, Radio Joe will unfortunately be in board meetings um, all day, so I don't know what we're going to do yet, Cliff, but we'll figure that out. Sort it out. All right. And, of course, thanks to our engineer, John. you got to have faith. Sounds good. Skype keeps trying to make us upgrade to their newer, better version that just totally screws up our sound, and uh, somehow John keeps putting it back where it belongs of course thanks to our growing group of loyal listeners we'll be back uh, one way or another next friday at noon with the next episode of iaq radio this has been another iaq radio production